You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University of Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Hello, Galari. How are you? I am absolutely fine. What about you today? Well, I'm trying to disrupt things a little differently. I'm trying to try some new things. I've been working with this tool called ChatGDP. I think you might have heard of it. I'm trying to figure out how I can leverage this to transform my marking. Can I use it to use it for my marking? What do you think? No, for sure. You cannot. However, how this ChatGPT technology, COVID, any, any other things could change our value for our organizations. And when is the core value changing, how it changed the brands of our organization. So what about those stuff? Because any technology, any disruptive technology or disruptive innovations can actually force us to change our values. It's constantly these new technologies, new things are transforming. But the other thing, too, is that really more and more consumers are thinking, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go to these big organizations because they're not doing what I want. And it's more towards the storytelling of how do I connect to something I really, truly believe in. And I think even that element of the transformation of that technology is making these individuals look at different avenues to reach those businesses, those individuals. We have a guest today at UCW alumni that they can maybe answer some of our questions regarding this uh, transformations. We are going to welcome Massimo Pellini, the founder of Benini's Consulting. Hi, Dave. Hi, Massimo. Hello, Galari. Always welcome. Welcome to Innovation Fuel, brought to you by University of Canada West. Yes, we have a very special guest. I think a past alumni way back has come back to tell us a little bit more. So we want to get to know more about our guest, Massimo. Massimo is going to tell us about a variety of different things and maybe even talk about transformation. Massimo, before we jump into our conversation today, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, inviting me, first of all. My name is Massimo. As you said, uh, I'm from Milan, Italy. My background is in law. I once upon a time was a boring lawyer, but I tried to make it more entertaining uh, because I had the chance to work with uh, fashion brands, uh, with uh, architecture brands. It's a big industry in Milan and with sport. Soccer, of course, is the main one in the city. And uh, due to several random occasions, uh, I had the chance to get into those worlds uh, working as a lawyer, but I rapidly expanded towards the strategy and the business development and growing the business because I didn't want to be only the guy talking about clauses uh, and articles and law. I did that for about 15 years, a little more probably. And then in 2011, I visited Vancouver. Canada West offered me the chance to apply for an MBA. And uh, after four months, uh, I was here with my wife, uh, with our two cats uh, from Italy. And uh, I joined Canada West in 2012. And I finished in 2014. We didn't have such a big, uh, wonderful campus as now. But, you know, the quality was there. And that's why I decided to join. And here I am. Awesome, Massimo. That's great. Massimo, uh, would you a little bit explain what you're doing in your Bellini Consulting company? 
I'm essentially using all my experience, my past experience, uh, in order to help uh, organizations. It can be small organizations, big organizations. Uh, things can be applied, uh, you know, to different type of industries. Uh, it can be, you know, in retail, uh, in technology, can be CPG. And I'm talking about, for example, an engagement that I had for a few years with uh, with a water company. It can be cannabis. As you all know, it's a, it's a big industry growing in Canada and uh, it must be treated, you know, with all the respect, even though I'm not a cannabis user, but, you know, it's a big industry and a big business. And uh, so essentially what I do is uh, listening to what companies are looking for, what they need, and uh, then look back at my past, my past experiences and see if there is something I can help with. Big thing uh, that I'm focused on uh, is uh, trying to be updated with the new technologies uh, and the new things that are happening in the world uh, and um, see if those things can be applied uh, to businesses, uh, if they're ready to be applied uh, and um, and go from there. So Massimo, you you def- you say that you kind of have your title and you call you're called you're called a, a future consultant, futurist consultant, I think it was. Futurist consultant. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What is a futurist consultant? The world now, we, can, we cannot approach the world and the business world uh, as we did uh, 10, 15 years ago. Actually, you cannot do it uh, what happened five years ago because there was this big event uh, that uh, I don't know if we're allowed to mention it, uh, but it's called, you know, you know what I'm talking about, uh, that changed everything about three years ago. We're looking at new things. It's a new world. People working from home. Can you imagine five years ago, everyone from home or most of us from working from home? It was not possible. People that work from home, essentially, they were not working. And uh, so it's an adaptation. And when I talk about futurist, it's looking at the future, what it can be. I don't know the answers. As you I already mentioned a few times, uh, you know, before having this conversation, because nobody knows. But it's a matter of being ready, being open and uh, try to figure out what it can be. Everyone is talking about chat GPT. Everyone is talking about AI. We don't know where it, go, where, where it will go in the future and what can bring. Just try to be ready. That's my idea. So Massimo, you opened the door and I want to gonna step back in time a bit because you came from an organization that went through this challenge or went through the pandemic. You worked for an organization called RYU, um, which was a local retail brand that was here, a retail clothing brand. And it was having massive success before the pandemic and then went into the pandemic, the story changed. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I can go through that. Uh, I will also, but while doing that, uh, I would like to give you an example. Back in 2018, uh, I was almost kicked out of the company because I brought up the idea of bringing RYU to the Olympics. Olympics were supposed to happen in 2020 in Tokyo. I analyzed uh, a business example Lululemon uh, entered the Olympics in 2016, uh, sponsoring uh, the beach volley team, the Canadian beach volley team. And then they expanded in 2020 with, you know, almost the entirety of, uh, of the Canadian team. What I did was looking at the new sports uh, for those Olympics, uh, and we selected skateboard because we believed, I believed that, you know, it could have been a lot of massive uh, success, a uh, lot of exposure, and it was actually very useful for the markets we were working on. And we were trying to expand uh, the California and West Coast market uh, first. And of course, you know, skateboard is a big thing. So we planned everything. I had to fight uh, with the CEO, with the CFO, with the product guys. Uh, We managed to put it together and everything was ready about the end of 19. When the pandemic hit, uh, they canceled the Olympics. 
It never happened in about 100 and, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, they canceled the Olympics. So we already made some payments and some commitments uh, in terms of money that were spent, uh, in terms of uh, things that were prepared, uh, in terms of designing and creating products. So everything went totally on hold. About six months after the world stopped, the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee, decided to do the Olympics after one year with no public in Tokyo. So it went to 2021. And from that, we had to essentially go back to the drawing board, re-talk to, talk to everyone back again, adapt the products, the marketing assets, and everything that was already done, and had to be adjusted in order to serve a, an event that was going to happen without public. And uh, that was, I think, it was a, you know, a master exercise of something that probably will not happen again in the future. But it was the first time, but it was a big, big challenge. The result was very good. The collection that we created was, uh, you know, we sold it out like in weeks. The RYU brand was seen worldwide, even though the Canadian athletes didn't go into the medals or, you know, into the big finals. But, you know, that was a major exposure for such a small brand. And what happened to your uh, to the company? The company went in a different direction. The massive problem that we had was the, the financing of the company. And that brought to a takeover of the company. So new shareholders stepped in. They took over the company during the pandemic. So that was a, a phase where everyone was working from home, but there were no interactions interactions you know between the members the team members and that was uh, the biggest challenge i think because it's uh, it's important uh, uh, sharing ideas it's important to have a common uh, common threads and common conversations uh, and that didn't happen so the company had these kind of issues uh, but the main the top shareholder that became the ceo essentially after about a year and something decided to shut down the operations in vancouver and brought it to Toronto. I don't know exactly what is going on right now. I don't know about the status of the brand, about the status of operations, because it's, uh, it was great. But for me personally, it's in the past. And um, we have to look forward. So fast forward now. So you've moved on to that. I mean, you're transforming and you transformed into this consulting role and doing some what we consider now. Let's talk about transformation in from digital transformation, as you talked about before, into branding and storytelling. And how can we move in different directions around the current element? You, talk, you talked earlier about artificial intelligence. We talked about chat GDP. How do brands get recognized? And how does their story get told when we start to move into these different directions and these different digital transformations? After RYU, I was sort of pushed into the consulting world because uh, nobody wanted to hire. You know, all the big companies or the major, or even the smaller companies, they didn't want to hire people because they didn't know how many people do we need? Are we getting people back to the office? Are they actually coming back? Or did people move to Hawaii working from there and they like Hawaii better than Vancouver? So that was a big, uh, big change. But again, you have to be ready and you have to be open uh, you know, to, to what happens in the world. But also going back to my past experiences in the, when I was back in Italy, I had the chance to work with a lot of different brands uh, because I was uh, an independent consultant. I was a lawyer, but still, you know, you're a consultant, essentially, you know, focus on something like law. But, you know, that's that's your that's your reality. 
And now, you know, you have the chance to talk to different people, get different experiences uh, and see what directions uh, and what opportunities uh, can be in front of you. Uh, you mentioned, uh, as, as I said, you know, the AI, AI and all those tools. Uh, we don't know where they will go. I think Nike was the first one to actually la- launch uh, NFTs. I don't know. I'm sure that they, they're making money and it's profitable for them. I don't know the numbers, but you have to try things. You know, it's a, you have to be ready and explore. And then what happens, you know, we will we will know what happens in the future. We don't know because those things are so new that uh, we just have to guess uh, to a point. Uh, we have to be sure that things make sense for each company and each brand. And I think the main thing is actually finding and keeping uh, those sort of core values uh, for the company, for the brand uh, that can be explained and can be told to the people. And see how the people react. You know, some people may like it, some people may not like it. Three years ago, Peloton was booming because everyone wanted to work from home. Now we see that Peloton is not as booming as it was because people want to share this human contact and they want to work out in a gym or in a in a fitness studio. But in the brand transformation, it's a problem is going to be that it's required a lot of other works on the backside. And such as culture change, such as technology change, such as value, as you said, core values, how we can diagnose it for any organizations for branding, rebranding or tra- brand transformation? Well, you can, I, I don't think you can change uh, completely what we're doing. You know, if you, if you like something, if you were putting out a, a message, uh, the message cannot change. It can be adapted, uh, but it cannot change. I'm giving you an example. I'm going back probably six, seven, eight years ago. RYU is an acronym for Respect Your Universe. And uh, we pushed uh, on the respect factor and we use the word respect and we use the concept respect in many occasions. I was walking in New York. Uh, we were looking for a new store and uh, I found, uh, I actually walked around the corner and I saw that the big wall was plastered with Nike um, posters talking about equality. Which, of course, you know, it's good. It was a nice, a positive message. And they had LeBron James, uh, Serena Williams, and I don't remember what are Colin Kaepernick, I think, was part of that, com- that, uh, that campaign. So, of course, you know, Nike has a big budget. There's these big actors, big faces. That is something that helped us because it shifted the conversation from, you know, on those levels and those, those values that can be respect, equality. So it's something that appeals to the human factor more than the business factor. And right after a few days, uh, someone stopped me in the street uh, and asked me, oh, you, you have respect on your T-shirt. What does that mean? Why is everyone talking about these things? And I looked at the guy and I told him, you know, our company is called Respect Your Universe. This is our name. And we started like this. We built it like that. While other companies like Nike, and I'm not pointing fingers of, of, to them, of course, uh, on them, of course, but it's a matter of, uh, you know, we have, uh, it was in our name. So it was, I think, more direct uh, than just a marketing campaign. You cannot change the values of the company. You can adapt them, you can improve them, but if you have to go back and change the values and the things and the messages at at the core of the company, you're gonna disrupt the company because people are working there for reasons. Many people are working in companies because of the salary and the money, which is an important factor, I'm not denying that. You also have to share something or some of those people will leave and go somewhere else. You make a good point because, you know, when we talk about this element around sustainability 
corporate social responsibility, ethics, and, and those pieces, we're starting to see people starting to make decisions with their wallets based around this element. Like, are they going to the Nikes? I know Nikes made a big shift because re- like a year ago, Nike said, hey, no more Amazon anymore. We want to know our customers. We want to get more of their data so we can actually more customize our experience them. But you're talking about some really neat things because consumers, in my mind, are shifting back to that small community-based, hey, I want to support the community. I want to support the local elements. I want to support that local uh, and, and, and that story that's being told around me. I agree. There are two similar factors. One is the, com- the community thing. And that's something we pushed a lot uh, when we were working there with a lot of lo- local events. And we tried to customize our stores because I cannot have a Vancouver store that looks like the one in New York or the one in Southern California. That's the first thing you can do. And then it's a matter of, um, how can I say, it's a, it's a matter of, uh, you mentioned sustainability and you mentioned the wallet. We're reading, I'm not saying anything new now, but you know people are tired of changing the iPhone every year or every two years. I kept my phone, I actually changed my phone a few months ago after four or five years. And uh, so we need to create something that works better, not only because of uh, the environment. Of course, you know, that's a big topic that we can talk about. But I think you cannot tell people, oh, you cannot change your phone after, you know, every year because of the environment. I think you can tell people you, you don't need to change your phone every year because your phone keeps working. And same thing when I buy a T-shirt, uh, when I buy a jacket, uh, I think instead of spending uh, $100, I'm just making an example, of course, uh, $100 for uh, a shirt every year, I'd rather spend maybe $300 for a shirt that I know it's going to last three to five years. You're spending the same amount of money. You're spending them more now because you make a bigger investment. But it's something that, you know, have you ever heard about ROI, return on investment? That's the same thing. It can be a phone. It can be, you know, the AirPods. It can be the computer that we're talking uh, to right now. But it can be, you know, the car. It can be sneakers can be all those kind of things. You know, the only thing where you cannot apply that is probably food or coffee, but you you can apply to a lot of things. There are a lot of companies that now are pushing for models to repurchase their old products. Arterix is doing it. Wes is doing that. I've seen it a lot. I mean, we tried. Lululemon is doing correct. And uh, some some sneakers uh, companies are also trying to do that because they can recycle a lot of parts, you know, the soles and those kind of things. Yeah, and there's even some companies out there, and I don't know if you've heard this, is where they're doing subscription-based models. There's one out of Sweden, I think it is, where they're doing a subscription-based model. You get the shoe, when you're done with it, return it, and we'll give you a new one. Yeah, I I met some guys in Spain a few years ago during the trip that was not supposed to look for, you know, sustainability or, you know, possible suppliers, but we randomly met them, and uh, they're working on sustainability. They work on uh, recycling uh, uh, there are actually big suppliers of the biggest brands uh, or the most famous uh, and brands that you know that you that we find uh, in Vancouver and worldwide. The problem is in the last part. What are you gonna do when when you have uh, your product and you're you're tired of the pro- of the product? The product is consumed and it's ready to go to the to the trash. So the point is what you do with that and how you you manage that. And the big challenge is uh, telling a story to the customer, so to you and to myself and to all the people around us, how can we actually convince them 
to make the extra effort to return them. If I buy, for example, three t-shirts because I'm not sure about my size and I buy them online, I can return two of them. Where's my incentive? I get my money back, right? So, but if I give you something uh, uh, that is used, I need that incentive. Unless you are super committed to all this conversation and you do it because you're a responsible person, you need something. Can it be money? Can it be a gift card? Can it be access to a special club? When you get something back, it can be, I don't know, I'm just thinking, you know, I recently subscribed to, to the Apple Fitness because, you know, I'm in the Apple uh, you know, world. Give me, for example, I don't know, three months of, you know, a gift card for three months for that. Or it can be, I don't know, three months of, uh, again, Disney Plus or Amazon. We're making, we're naming a lot of brands. Uh, we should actually get a gift card from all of these. But you know what I'm saying? You know, you need the incentive because most of the people are wise. They think, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, who cares? And, you know, this is goes to the, this goes to trash and that's it. And I love it because what you're really, what we're really talking about here is value creation and value exchange. And so how can we do value exchange and value creation here? You know, supporting consumers in different parts and what they need to get done and how we can help support them in what they need to get done. Leading down that pathway, Massimo, I, I really got to jump back in really quickly because we're coming towards the end of our show and I really need to get to that heart of Massimo. What's your contribution to this element? How are you moving this forward? How are you pushing your forward in you, what you're trying to achieve? I know that uh, most of our listeners are probably younger. And uh, if it is, if that's the case, uh, I think encourage them to go back and watch a very old movie, very old for them and not for us. It's called Men in Black. And uh, it was a quote uh, where the guys, uh, Will Smith and, uh, and the other guy, now I'm forgetting the name of the other, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, they go to buy magazines uh, and they buy the cheaper ones. Uh, and they say, here is where you find all the crappy news, uh, but this is where you find the truth uh, because it's in the street. Now, what I do... And a lot of people make fun of me and they think that I'm not working. Actually, I'm not working when I do that. But it's a matter of reading and trying to be informed because something that you, you know, you don't always have to go to the Harvard Business uh, website to find something good because when it's there, it's probably, you know, there are a lot of people that are reading. You have to find sources uh, and spend time reading about these things. And I remember years ago, it was, I think, uh, shortly after I left uh, UCW. I was working with a company called uh, Kit and Ace that is still existing. They have, you know, we went through a big expansion, then it was downsized for several reasons. I was having a conversation with the former CEO. I read about this small startup in Vancouver that was called Slack. And I asked him, do you know this? You know everyone in Vancouver. Do you know the guys at Slack? Oh, yeah, I know someone, something like that. And I told him, why don't we try it? Let's form a group of five people putting in the company at, the, at those days, we were using Skype for internal com communications. We tried. Slack went on to be, to be like, I don't know how big it is in terms of business and size and everything, but it's one of the most famous ones and biggest ones with Zoom, with Microsoft Teams and all those kind of things. We didn't know, but I actually found it on a local blog website here in Vancouver. And you don't know where it is because I, I can guarantee I downloaded on my phone a lot of... Uh, things that went nowhere, that didn't work, that uh, consumed a lot of battery and a lot of space in the phone. But we don't know. We have to go out and look and be ready. And you never know. I mean, it's the people who invested in uh, Zoom five years ago, they're probably all millionaires. The people who invested in ChatGPT 
uh, or started that, um, I don't know, four years ago, let's say maybe two years ago, they're making money. Why? Because they were open. And now is this thing actually going to revolutionize, you know, to bring a revolution into our world? I don't know. Maybe. But you have to be you have to be you have to try to be a little bit ahead of them. And you do it uh, by spending time reading things that you don't think it's going to be useful or interesting. Education keeps on going. So you need to keep reading and you don't need to read the Business Harvard Review. You can read other sources. There's lots of great sources out there to read from. Before we end our show today, Massimo, we need for you to throw out a challenge to our students as something that they should be thinking about, even in the macro sense or the micro sense. What can you throw at them? I will probably go on something uh, that can be sort of fun. I will give you an example. It's easier. When I was doing, uh, I think it was a project management course at UCW, we had to come up uh, with a project. So I spent some time, you know, I, I spent some of my time at Whistler, but I teach on a local mountain. So we envisioned, uh, you know, as a project, a gondola connecting Grouse and Cypress. The inspiration came from the peak-to-peak gondola in Whistler that connects Whistler and Blackcomb. And of course, you know, it was something that was too difficult. It's too far and too long and probably too expensive. But I would encourage the students to look around themselves or maybe look at some recent marketing campaign of a big brand and try to reimagine it or to customize it for something that is close to them. I don't know, look at what Adidas does, uh, look at uh, Nike, look at, uh, you know, Lululemon, one of those big brands, uh, and, you know, try to envision themselves in the position in order to make something better than what they're doing. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Massimo. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Field. Thank you very much. listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.